Welcome to 5 Messianic Minutes. What is a Messianic Minute? I'm glad you asked. Welcome uh, to another um, 5 Messianic Minutes. Our guest with us today is uh, Daniel Musson of uh, Back to Center Ministries. Um, so today I want to go over a topic that we've received a lot of questions on in regards to, uh, and it may seem kind of simple for us because we've been in the movement for a long period of time, but I know with all of the new people who are coming in, it's one that is a, uh, a source of contention in their home, um, trying to honor the Lord, trying to make sure that they know uh, how to do that properly. That is the dietary loss. Uh, we've received some some comments and some emails uh, to new believers who are reading Leviticus, uh, reading Deuteronomy, and trying to remove pork, shellfish, all of those things from their life, and are just starting to realize that there are uh, other things like enzymes and uh, gelatins and things like that, and all kinds of other foods, breads, and it it can be it can be a little bit overwhelming uh, when you find out that it's not just not eating. Uh, pork bacon or a ham sandwich that there is a lot of enzymes and unclean stuff that is in a lot of other foods and they're really struggling with well what well, I mean how do I how do I feed my family right. if we're working and all of that kind of stuff and so um, there's a lot of new New Testament portions as well that deal with food and 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 reference and and things like that and so it can be highly confusing when you come into that there's all kinds of lists on what is and what is not. You can call them, yeah. and one person will tell you it's beef, one person will tell you it's right. pork, and, and, and so it's, it's, it seems so simple at, on one hand, but yet it really is a, a fairly complex situation. And so when it comes to the dietary laws, you have six children in a family, you work, and so how, how, how do you go about eating food not knowing exactly the manufacturing process and not growing right. it and everything. So help help us out a little bit to kind of understand how you can apply dietary laws to kind of a modern day culture and a life. Okay. So great question. Um, obviously, yeah, as Chris already alluded to, uh, you know, between the two of us, we have 11 kids, uh, you know, in the two households. So obviously something that we've had to deal with as well. And how do you, you know, provide food for your family that's affordable, that still, uh, you know, avoids all the things that are manufacturing processes and things of this nature are going to put into our foods. Um, the way that I, I view it as an overview, the way that I've always viewed it is, look, um, if you went out and bought a brand new Corvette, that Corvette, is it's got a high premium uh, engine, and it's going to require a high octane gas in it. If you just roll up to any gas station and put the typical, you know, 10% uh, ethanol in it or something, it's going to be sluggish. That Corvette will not perform the way it's supposed to perform. And basically, in the same way, the Lord has designed our bodies that they're very complex systems. And He knows what fuel best works in those systems, and so this is the very simple reason why He's given us the instructions that you're to eat these things, because they're going to allow your body to function properly. Stay away from these things because, you know what, your body doesn't function properly when you consume those things, and, and you're going to be sluggish, and you're going to have these issues, and because I designed you, I'm, I'm the manufacturer, I know how your body works best, these are the things to consume, these are the things to avoid. Now, when we talk then about, uh, you know, put putting uh, brass tacks to things, you know, putting it right down in where we live, where we're at, things of this nature— um, obviously, there's, there are certain things that we have found to avoid. 
Okay, so for instance, um, at Sukkot, which is of course the highlight of uh, you know my family's year, we love Sukkot. Okay, just uh, the the fellowship and the campfires and the singing and the worship and and you know the teachings and everything else that takes place at Sukkot. It's amazing, uh, a microcosm of what the kingdom will be like. But there's one huge thing that you would ordinarily want to enjoy, especially kids at Sukkot, and that's going to be s'mores, right? Yeah. So. The marshmallows. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. marshmallows, uh, one of the key components in marshmallows is gelatin. And the majority of gelatin that is produced in the United States uh, is a pork-based gelatin. Correct. Yep. And so there we've had to learn to look for alternatives. And mm-hmm. so there are alternatives out there. And the thing to look for is where it says it's a fish gelatin or something like this. Mm-hmm. You'll find the same thing if you go into like the health food stores and you're looking for like an omega-3 or omega-6 or, you know, any kind of a fish oil capsule. Most of those are in some kind of a gelatin. Correct. Okay. Yeah. And so you just look for those things that say beef or fish gelatin. Mm-hmm. And that way you're assured or even a vegan yeah, gelatin. Vegan. A lot of times right. if you look for something that says it's vegan, even if it's not tofu, who are all the way to the extreme, it, it will use a plant-based gelatin rather right. than a pork-based gelatin. Right. Yeah. And so that, in just looking for those key components, you just take a couple of seconds to find out when you're shopping, okay, does this have gelatin in it? If so, does it say anything else about that? Is it a vegan? Is it a, a fish, a beef? If not, then I should probably not purchase it, okay, just to be on the safe side. Um, now, there's the whole rabbinical, um, you know, argumentation that would say that, well, by the time that the gelatin has gotten to that stage, it's been so processed that there's no actual real pork, uh, you know, content left in it, I would much rather, I would rather err on the side of caution myself, okay? So, yeah, um, Yeah, because you really don't know. I mean, even science and all that and through the manufacturing process, it's it's virtually impossible unless you follow it through the whole entire process and you're there on site to know exactly what is and is not there and you know, I would agree with you. You you try to err on the side of caution in right. honoring the commandments of the Lord. And um, if you can look for vegan base or beef base or something like that, um, it does exist. You don't right. have to necessarily make it all yourself at home, which is virtually impossible if right. you have a family. If if you have a two family working system in yeah. your home, and that it's it's virtually impossible to make all your own bread and from scratch everything, right. um, it, it will become very cumbersome for you to do so. Yeah, and we've, we have, uh, so we've wrestled through that. So in our family, we also try to avoid, you know, like the high fructose corn syrup and stuff of that nature, okay? And so we have searched, you know, in the different breads there are that are available at the stores and things of that nature. The, the, there's two things that we look for on any ingredient of, of bread list that says if it has L-cysteine in it, we're not going to purchase it. And if it has, uh, you know, high fructose corn syrup in it, we're not going to purchase it, not because it's unclean, just because our family has chosen to avoid that, okay? So with the L-cysteine, L-cysteine is typically a binding agent, and it's often um, made with uh, hair, okay? Um, Now, they don't often identify where that hair came from, but generally speaking, that hair is off of some animal that they slaughtered for some other purpose, and they used the hair so that they could use it as a bonding agent in the bread to keep the the, um, bread together, basically, so it's Mm -hmm. nice and firm, okay? Um, As a result, L-cysteine, you know, nine times out of ten, it's going to be some unclean animal and the hair from them. So um, we try to avoid L-cysteine, but there are breads that are out there, um, you know, and we just get one that's a a whole wheat bread that doesn't have either of those things in it. And so... Yeah, and there actually are some. If you look, um, again, you know, health food stores have a lot of that stuff, Mm -hmm. but it is, it is, uh, you can find those at your Walmart, your your neighborhood Kroger's or Crest's or whatever it is, they do exist. You have to look for them. Right. Um, 
you know, there are resources out there uh, for you to be able to check as well um, into uh, some of the, the, the rabbinic and the kosher stuff where they say, hey, look, this, this brand isn't one generically you should stay away from. But every list I've ever seen that's comprised uh, has, has a listing of some that if you actually call, they say, hey, right. we don't. Correct. actually use it even though they say we do and then some say that they they don't but then they do and so it's not a it's not yeah. a cut and dry there's unfortunately not just like a list that you can go pull down and say oh i can go buy every sarah lee bread yeah. and and it's going to be okay it's going to be clean right and there's i've seen numerous lists out there and a lot of them are actually outdated unfortunately mm -hmm. because yeah. the manufacturers aren't using that stuff but so for instance like cheetos Okay, mm -hmm. like I've seen numerous times where Cheetos has been on the list because they claim that there's a pork enzyme in the Cheetos. Yes. Whereas if you call Frito Lay and actually get their their list of ingredients in it, there's no pork enzyme. Okay. Correct. And so. So it's outdated, and you, right. you can't know. And so it's almost like anything in the Scripture. You really have to go before the Lord in your mm -hmm. prayer time, and you have to really ask Him to show you and to guide you by the Ruach and the Holy Spirit. Hey, what what should we be doing? What we should not. Uh, it would be nice if there was just a, a blanket list yeah. that lasted, but it just, I mean, between the 11 kids and the wives who do stay home and, yeah. and search these things out, there there is no such thing. And so it's it's not, not something necessarily to beat yourself up over. Um, are you going to make a mistake from time to time? Yeah. Are you going to get misinformation from a manufacturer or from a friend who says, oh, these are kosher, and then you find out that they're not? Yeah, it, it happens. And the goal is really to ultimately search that out yeah. and try to find, you know, hey, what what is the best we can do? And when when you're made aware that, hey, look, this isn't kosher or whatever, then then you have to make that decision. Are we going to honor the Lord and in, in the dietary laws? Uh, which, by the way, science pretty much backs up that that pork in general right. is bad for you. Certain types of lobster and when things that are not considered food in the Bible these are bad for you. And so it's, uh, it's always great when the, the Bible is backed up by our modern culture's Bible, right. which is called science. And right. so, um, you know, we, you got, you can just do your best. That's all you can. And, you know, I, I tend to believe that if you're doing your best and you're honestly seeking that the, the Lord understands that Correct. he's going to actually guide you more. Right. And, you know, I think between the two of us, we could share some horror stories oh, sure. on our first examples of buying something <laughs> and thinking it was kosher, and then yep. it's not. And, you know, the kids saying, Dad, this has this thing, yeah. whatever. But um, How embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but as two fathers uh, in our homes, have we gone through the same thing? Yeah, we, we go through mm -hmm. the same thing. And uh, you just have to do your best. You can look online, get the various lists and all those things, and then you really got to just search it out for yourself. There is not a blanket right. answer. And and that's and part of the complication here, of course, is that you know when the in original instructions were given, uh, there were no manufacturing and processing plants, and yeah. so there was no one sneaking something into their food. It was pretty easy to identify. You go to the market. What animal is this? Okay, well I don't buy that. What animal is this? Okay, I buy this. And that's pretty much not so it. Much today. Yeah, no. So today there's today. so much processing, and you know we have so many products in the in the grocery stores that will stay on the shelf for years. Mm -hmm. um, then the question has to be, well, what's in it that's causing that to happen? You know, and so it's part of a greater uh, you know awareness of of what's in our food, what we're consuming, and just being good stewards with what He's given us. And one of those things that we're stewards over is our bodies. Yeah. So. I agree. Well, Daniel, thanks for, for taking five Messianic minutes, okay. 10 Gregorian minutes today. <laughs> and uh, we hope that uh, this has been a help. We'll see you next time.